This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B from CES 2020 with another solid interview. We're here sitting down with Michael Murray. He's the executive vice president of Asina. Michael, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. So always like to give our audience a little primer on who you are and what the company does. So Michael has worked around sensor and sensing technology since at least the mid 2000s. And at Asina, he is creating, leading and collaborating on the company's product direction, their marketing strategies and their delivery globally. And that's a very condensed summary. You do way more more than that at Asina. Um, Asina is a sensors technology company and they're using innovative inertial measurement unit, IMU, to power next generation cars, robots, and other autonomous applications for a variety of different industries. They're debuting the industry's smallest high precision global navigation satellite system, or GNSS, and they're using that localization solution to assist in guidance and navigation of autonomous technology like vehicles, robots, and drones in industrial construction and agricultural sectors. So we're gonna break down some of those sectors. We're gonna break down where the technology was, where it's headed, uh, and really why precision technology is so needed in some of these industrial sectors. So looking forward to jumping in. So Michael, sensor technology has gotten pretty accurate, uh, even for consumer level products. But as more autonomous technology becomes a staple for efficiency in these industries, everything from agricultural to construction, I think the need for extremely precise sensors continues Mm -hmm. to grow. So where have commercial sensors, in your opinion, been lacking in the last few years? Where do they have room to grow? And how are you seeing that trajectory from the early or mid 2000s when you got into this technology to now and beyond? Sure, no, it's a great question. In fact, uh, when I got into the industry, a lot of the technology that that we were looking at originally for things like advanced navigation mm. really stemmed around the gyroscope. The gyroscope really hasn't uh, advanced that much in the last 10 years. If you look at a lot of the cell phones that are out there, you'll have an IMU, inertial measurement unit, within mm. your cell phone. And you know how it doesn't necessarily tell you which direction you're walking in until a few steps? Yeah, it takes or, a little bit. Yeah. Or, or it doesn't at all <laughs> until you've reached a couple of blocks yes. away. That's the gyro and the, the sensor trying to figure out what direction it's looking. Now with current gyro technology and the gyros that we use, they're much more highly advanced. Moreover, we actually use more than one within our IMU. So we actually have a voting system and we use advanced algorithms and AI to create a better outcome using the sensors that are currently available. Gotcha. So that's in our current IMU platform, but we're also working on very highly advanced gyro capability within Asina, as well as our technology around magnetic MEMS. Interesting. So Would you say the future of precision technology like this is in continuing to adapt and perfect the gyro, or is it in bringing new sensor technology into the mix? I think it's both. So within any system, like a human being, you have eyes, ears, and balance, right? Within a vehicle, you're going to have the same sort of things. You're going to have eyes, which are vision-based systems. You're going to have balance, which is really that IMU, which is pitch, yaw, and roll. That creates your balance. If you don't have vision or you don't have hearing, as an example, what you actually have is that IMU in your brain right and it's just calibrating you so you can walk and talk and, and move down sure. a certain environment so it's going to be taking all of those technologies making them better but the really important part is making them all work together right and knowing which sensors to trust which sensors not to trust and what information you can really use for geo positioning I'm guessing 
AI is what's really being used to help Absolutely. bridge the gap, create an actual kind of brain of precision technology. Yep. What are some of the challenges that you found in trying to get all those different sensors and different, um, I guess, modes of, of interacting with the physical world communicate with each other in an efficient way? Egos. <laughs> yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Egos of companies. <laughs> and uh, I'll use an example. Um, a lot of the companies that I've worked for and and um, have challenged in this way is we tend to keep a lot of the technologies together yeah. and we don't necessarily want to give them away and let users use them, add to them in a, in a more collaborative way. Okay. Now, the difference with Asina is all of our software is available online on GitHub. Mm. We have hundreds of users every month that go and add to our software, add to our AI. Sure. AI is only as good as the amount of mistakes that you're going to make with it. Right. So the more people that use it, the more mistakes they make, the more we learn, the more the AI moves forward. Right. Any company, doesn't matter what company you are on the, on the planet here, you'll always be better with crowdsourcing. Mm. And that's what we've done that's different than most technology companies. Interesting. And that's why our AI is much better than most companies very quickly, even though we're we're really only a few years old, it's all of the open source capability that we brought with GitHub and our user experience and the free software that we provide our customers. Are there any downsides to crowdsourcing your AI? I mean, because if crowdsourcing, which you know you make it sound like it is the, the reason why you have such a robust AI, why don't more companies do it beyond just ego? I mean, is that really holding them back so much that they don't want to crowdsource their I AI? I think there's an, yeah, there's an element of, of security mm. and there's an element of security for the company knowing that that technology, that software is being used in their silicon or their system. Sure. Got it, makes sense. Yeah. That's why we have two different profiles. We have what we call an open IMU, so that means you can use open software. Yeah. We also have our closed IMU, which just take away the open and that's the part number. Um, that would be all software that is, um, you know, automotive qualified or industrial qualified up to uh, industry standards. So we have both. Yeah. And that's that's a decision that our CTO took originally and I think it was a right decision. Um, but absolutely, there's a, an area of security and safety that goes along with advanced AI that's been crowdsourced. So we take on that ownership and then we create our own AI based off of that technology and then certify it up to automotive levels. How does having uh, open sourced AI assist or maybe guide some of the industries that you can break into? I assume mm. crowdsourced um, AI learning helps you break into newer industries faster. Right. Is there any other dynamic there? Uh, I think cost. Cost is always a dynamic yeah. um, and cost per performance or for performance. And I think where we've reached to right now is these sensors that were 300 to 500 to $5,000, yeah. like with ring laser gyros as an example, our product today is as good as a ring laser gyro that's $5,000. So taking that capability, putting it into the hands of users, giving them software that creates an environment where they can get up to speed very quickly. Yeah. It looks and feels like a, an Apple iPhone and, and the way that it works and the way that the software is presented to you. You can get to new in industries like last mile delivery, which right now Amazon's pushing, Google's pushing it, Baidu's pushing it. Right. And the reason being is I want my pizza and I want it hot and I want it to my door. And I want it and now. I, yeah. I want it now and <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to kill my cat on the way. Right. So that level of accuracy and ownership and thought process is being put into last mile delivery and it's for the environment really yeah robotics can take that to the next level um, reduce our carbon emissions and carbon platforms so you don't have a FedEx trucks or UPS trucks sitting outside your apartment building like I do in downtown Boston right instead you'll have a, a single uh, autonomous vehicle a robot usually electric powered that's delivering your packages to your door on time and Interesting. Um, that's what we're after 
I'm glad you brought up some specific industries because I wanted to pivot now into sure. the applications for some of these technologies. So uh, precision technology for delivery, I feel like that the literal transportation of goods is probably mm -hmm. where you're going to see the most cross-industry usage, right? Everything Agreed. from warehouse management to retail shipment to last mile to logistics. Uh, how are companies like Amazon, for example, or even some of your smaller um, logistics or transit companies using next-gen precision tech to their benefit? Yeah, so a lot of companies, you're starting to see these smaller utility vehicle companies mm. uh, on the West Coast and some in, in the East Coast starting to take this technology to the next level. Sure. And, and really what that is is last mile delivery all the way to shipping embargoes uh, or shipping uh, systems that are very, very large and have been autonomous for many, many years. Yeah. But that whole subsystem of shipping from you know your, your freight forwarder all the way to your front door uses autonomous systems. So, but that ecosystem and the companies that are within it is still very new. Some of the technology is still somewhat nascent. The market is still somewhat nascent, but folks like Walmart, folks like Target that have a very strong online presence that want to compete against an Amazon, yeah. the only way in my view, and this is just my opinion, the only way that they're going to compete and catch up is having that fully autonomous subsystem. And it all relates to cost, efficiency, and time to market or time to your door, time to actually where you receive their product. Mm. And I think that's really what's driving the industry and driving the market. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you would think this kind of precision technology would be adopted first by the big players, right? Um, but I think to your point, I think companies like Amazon have such a hold on speed and efficiency mm -hmm. in delivery that it's your smaller players that are going to need this kind of assistance to put them back on the playing field with an Amazon. Is it accessible yet for those smaller players? Is there anything left, uh, whether it's cost or whether it's, you know, training around the technology mm -hmm. to get those small to medium sized businesses to adopt something like an Asina platform? Yeah, so it's a, a great question. What we see is really three, three areas uh, of gating items that some companies struggle with. Uh, I'll use an example of um, uh, heavy equipment or heavy construction equipment. Sure. They're all wanting to move to autonomy uh, for the simple fact that it reduces costs, reduces waste, and efficiencies go up. The problem is they're not AI developers. Right. They're metal benders. They're, they're, they're machine companies. So the ability for us to package up a sensor that just does what it needs to do and will communicate to their systems over a CAN network is very important. So right. we released MTILT 305, which is being adopted by folks like uh, the major three um, construction manufacturers. So that's that's their view is we want something that just fits and we can use as a, um, a third party add-on over the, over the course of the future and, and today. Now that's number one. Number two, we see a lot of companies that don't have the savviness of, of what is MEMS? What does this sensor do? We, we don't understand how to make it work with all of our other subsystems uh, and how do we make it work with our AI? And that's where the open source software comes into play. Yeah. Uh, and then the third thing that we see is a lot of companies that are new to this market that are pizza places, that, that are looking for ways to differentiate themselves versus their competition. Right. And they're going to smaller subsystem companies uh, on the West Coast, East Coast here and in China um, to help them create more effective deliveries. And they then in turn will come to us. So it's really about the market um, and the market that they're trying to create for themselves. But heavy equipment I think is gonna be, and, and farming, uh, smart agriculture are going to be the ones that lead the way and have been leading the way for autonomy for a long time. You bring up an interesting dynamic of like open source versus black box mm -hmm. solution. I think, you know, what you describe as Asina's foundation is really being an open source, crowdsourced, uh, flexible product. Correct. But these industries 
I have a feeling not too many agricultural or construction um, workers that would be utilizing this technology are going to be thinking about, like, how can I customize this, right? right? They kind of want it to be a black box solution that they can overlay over everything else. How do you balance that, right? Delivering a product that yep. is 100% user-friendly from the get-go, but that also on the back end stays flexible enough to adapt to new markets. Yeah, it's it's uh, a challenge that unfortunately I have yeah, uh, yes. every day. And that that is partnering with really strong customers. Mm. And and those customers have to be leaders in their industry. And and I think this is public knowledge, so I can mention it. You know, we're a very strong partner with John Deere. In fact, we we won a um, their uh, top supplier award for the fourth time. I think we've won it for the fifth time. Nice. Uh, we'll find out next Congrats, week. Congrats, yes. Uh, thank you. So, but partnering with them and learning about their customers and their customers are what matters. It doesn't matter what I do for John Deere or what John Deere thinks of my product. It's what the farmers think of the John Deere product and the experience right. about how they use our technology with the John Deere product. And knowing that working very closely with them to solve their customers end problem is what we do best. We can't do it for everyone, but we can take those learnings, put it into our AI that's open source, right. and we're always getting better, always improving, always improving the technology, always improving the software and the user experience. And what we focus on the best and most, in my view, at least if I do anything well in my job, is making sure that we focus on the best problems to solve for you and me, Love it. You know, the end users of a product, as right. opposed to just making the best widget. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You have to understand two different audiences, right? You have to understand your literal audience of who you sell to, but then also Correct. theirs, and that Absolutely. influences the product. It's really interesting stuff. Yep. Um, you mentioned agriculture a little bit. Give me just some general examples to close out the interview here of uh, both the agricultural and the construction industry. What are some of their needs? How do they need precision tech in their day-to-day, -day? Uh, and what problems is something like an Asina platform solving for them? Sure. Uh, the best one I, I, I can describe, if, if you think about a, a plot of land, mm. you have 100 acres. And one of the things that you're going to hear a lot in the future is about a spe specification called in-run bias stability. Okay. Don't worry about Googling it or trying to understand what it means. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but ultimately what it means is if you're traveling in a straight line over 100 kilometers, if you have 1% in-line or in-run in bias stability, you basically shift one degree over that period of time. Okay. Now, if your combine shifts one degree over time, that's a whole row of corn that you've missed. Right. So if you miss a whole row of corn to a to a farmer, that's 1% yield, 1% profitability loss. Right. Boom. That's huge. Off the top, right. huge. Especially when you're running mid, you know, mid single digit margins, right? That's huge. Right. Or the combine has to turn around and come back and do it again. Waste what, of time. Waste yeah. of time, money is example. So um, if you think about this in a construction environment, if you have a tractor that's sitting that's not level on a platform and it's doing precision um, grading, yeah. that is no longer precision if the, the tractor is actually off by one degree or two degree or three degree. Right. What it, you end up happening or what ends up happening is you have kind of a haircut that looks a little off. Uh, if it's supposed to be perfectly uh, square, it's not. It actually has a bit of an angle to it. Mm. Then they have to go back and redo it. So that's profitability loss, that's time uh, and money that uh, construction companies um, you know, live and, live and die on. Right, absolutely. All right, Michael Murray, Executive Vice President for Asina. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You. There's so many different industries that I want to dive into with you. We're going to have to do a follow-up interview to really Love unpack to. how precision tech impacts the day-to-day, -day, the profitability, um, workers' skills, how they adapt to these new products and these new mm -hmm. tools. We're going to have to do that another time. So, hey, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you so the, much. I appreciate your turn. Absolutely, you yeah.